Welcome to the Get Your Edge podcast. I am your host, Brian Bott. I'm here with Coach Manchi over in Kimberly, Wisconsin. Coach, you there? Absolutely, Brian. Fantastic. All right, again, this is another Sharpening the Edge version of our podcast where, where Dean and I discuss some of our past guests and some of the past topics they've gone over. And we've had two incredible guests the last couple of weeks and AJ Klein and, and Coach Tim Polisek from Wyoming. Uh, great, great messages for our listeners, both athletes and coaches. And Dean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of kick it over to you about AJ. And we want to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, him being an undersized guy and, and some of the things. And this is, this is right in our wheelhouse with him, right? Because us as strength coaches, the, the one thing we really preach to our athletes is, you know, confidence in the weight room. And, and AJ talked about that. And so you kind of experienced that with him. And now he's, a, I mean, he's a big time NFL guy. He's been in the league, I think, you know, seven, eight years. He's big 12 player of the year at Iowa State. Um, talk a little bit about how AJ went about that and some of the things that he shared, because again, you lived it with him on a daily basis and you've talked about him and, and what a pillar he was in the Kimberly football program on, you know, how he watered it every day and things like that. So share a little bit about that and let's talk about confidence in the weight room. Well, the biggest thing is, you know, when we talked about that, you know, I mentioned that AJ was 5'8", 126, and, I, you know, maybe I'm getting a little older, but I did double check on that again when he said 5'6", and I looked back at the data we had, and he was right. He was 5'6", 126, so I apologize on that, you know, <laughs> and you've seen we've done clinics before where we brought AJ's profile up when he was a freshman, but I, I pretty much thought that it was 5'8", but it was really 5'6", 126, so him knowing that just, you know, off the top of his head, is, is really one of those things that when he came in as a freshman, you know, he didn't wow anybody. There wasn't one coach that said, oh boy, you know, we got, we got a good one here as a freshman. This kid's going to be something special. Nobody mentioned his name at all. And being at that size, you know, I know as a, as a parent myself, when my son was always playing and you've gone through that experience as well, you know, safety is always number one. And, right. you know, if your kid's undersized, that's a big deal you know, especially for a lot of the moms out there and you, nobody wants their child to ever get hurt. And, you know, I always say one of the reasons why we do what we do is we try to bulletproof our kids and put a suit of armor on them to not only prevent injuries, but lessen the degree of the injury. And, um, you know, and his advice from his parents, and I know his parents really well, is, is unbelievable in that you got to stick to the process. You know, and I think that's the biggest thing because, I've seen at the high school level, kids can change so much in just one year. And that's exactly what his mom and dad said. Hey, don't worry about, you know, when you're going to have your growth spurt, just continue to do what the coaches are telling you to do. Continue to work your tail off, you know, as far as nutrition, as far as sleep, as far as training, and then just get better every day. And that's what he did. And his parents were really behind him. And I think that is very important. And then as coaches, we're always educating in the weight room that, hey, we're trying to do everything we can. And part of that process is making sure you're in good shape, making sure you're taking care of your body, whether it's the sleep, the eating, all that kind of stuff, the mobility work, and then the strength, we're putting that suit of armor on him. And he's just a great example. When he graduated, he was 17. And that's one of the things I remember when a lot of the recruiters were coming in where, you know, if he would have had another year of high school, I cannot imagine all the colleges that would have been in because a year makes such a big difference at that high school level. 
Right. And I think when you, that, that word you use was processed and, and that's a, that's, you know, similar to culture. Like we've talked about culture and we'll continue to talk about how important culture is, you know, for coaches and athletes in the program. But another buzzword nowadays is process. And, and we, as coaches, you know, we share that with our athletes, trust the process, trust the process, but coaches, here's, here's something you need to listen to. You have to have a defined process. Your athletes have to know what your process is. We talk to our athletes, we're process focused, results driven. You know, let your results drive that motivation as you're going through your process of training, your process of becoming a better player and things like that. Because if you don't have a defined process for your athletes, they're just going to come in the door and you're going to, it's going to be words that you're speaking to them, you know, and, and AJ talked about the things that you can control as an athlete. And we as coaches can control those as well. Your attitude and your effort, the things you control when you walk in the weight room every single day, when you walk in the classroom every single day, when you get up in the morning, when you're with your parents or your, you know, the person that's taking care of you, how you treat that person in the morning. And so with a great attitude and with great effort on a consistent basis, athletes following a process coaches that you set up for your athletes, you can see the, the development in, in an athlete long-term. We talk to our kids all the time, Dean, about, you know, small, small gains. And I know that's something you guys talk about. Okay. So athletes, just from a math perspective, think about this and coaches as well. In the strength and conditioning field, numbers is a big thing. You know, it, it, it's still how you evaluate improvement. You know, that's the easiest way to evaluate improvement. So if I'm an athlete and I'm five pounds a month on my squat, just five pounds a month. Okay. We're not looking for five pounds a week. We're not looking for five pounds a month. That's 60 pounds in a year over the course of your training career in high school or in college, that's 250 pounds. That's a lot, you know, and Dean, I know you guys, you know, put a big emphasis on confidence and process in the weight room. I mean, that's, that's just a huge thing for kids, right? Absolutely. You know, one of the things we were the best, you know, part of any kind of program is the athlete has to be consistent. Right. And if you're consistent, you know, as we know, you can do lots of different types of programs and you're going to make big time changes and, and right. you have to be consistent. You cannot work out one week and not work out the next or work out nine week phase and then take nine weeks off. It has to be consistent. Right. And I think one of the cool things that AJ talked about too, and you saw this as well. I mean, for, I mean, first of all, like for our athletes, we talked about recruiting, right? I mean, he had that chip on his shoulder, you know, from the way he was recruited and things like that. But let's take a step back as to what he did to get recruited. I mean, kids nowadays, you know, they don't realize how easy they have it. They go into huddle, you know, you guys have all the clips for them. I mean, he's talking about going and splicing CDs and think, you know, I mean, you and I have dealt with some you know, technical difficulties here with this podcast. I mean, for a 15, 16, 17 year old kid to go and do that, that just shows again, the process he was on his attitude and effort. And then, you know, from being recruited, I mean, you know, all about that. I mean, you went through it, you see it with your kids a lot, right? How they get recruited, things like that. It seems like AJ used that as a huge motivation, right? Absolutely. You know, 
his uh, situation in high school, he really wanted to play college football. And that's very evident in the time that he did and making those tapes and sending them out to all the different colleges. That was a dream of his, but he had to work. He was working to be able to uh, really get that information out to all those colleges. And it's funny because we talked about, you know, stick to the process. When he was in college, he never thought about playing in the NFL when he brought that up. That wasn't it was something that he wanted to do. He was get a good education, have a great time, you know, be with the guys on the team and just continue to get better and better. And it wasn't until he was player of the year, that junior year, that, you know, his coach brought him in the office and said, hey, you might be able to make a living out of this if you continue to go. And he mentioned, hey, he wasn't ready at that point. Even though he was co-defensive player of the year in the Big 12, he wasn't ready. And he went back for another year of college because he knew in his heart he wasn't ready for that next level. And I think that was a big decision he had to make when he was in college. And that's big reason why he's going on year nine in the league. Right. And I think, you know, as we talked about, you know, with his development and what he did as an athlete, I think one of the coolest things that he brought up, you know, and for coaches and athletes as well as the balance that he maintained, you know, I mean, five, six, 123 pounds, he's got a lot of catching up to do, you know, but he still, because of his parents and, and things like that, maintained balance in his life, which means, you know, he still went on family vacations. He still, you know, did some other things outside. So he wasn't married to football. You know, he wasn't married, you know, like coaches, sometimes we fall into the trap that we get married to our job. You know, and you, we talked about it in one of our other podcasts about Bruce Arians at the top, at the, at the highest level, Super Bowl champions mandates that his coaches are, are with their children, that they go to, that they go to their events and things like that. And AJ, I mean, he, you know, talked about that as well, even though, you know, his dream was to play college football, he didn't kind of sell the farm, you know, to do it or, or go away from what he was as a person and, and his family did not step away or shy away from the most important things, which is still your, your value, your value system. And I think that's a huge thing for coaches too, as well as players, right? You know, I just saw some research out there, Brian, that the parents nowadays spend eight times more on their own kids than in our generation, you know, and there's plenty of opportunities out there. But one thing coach Polisic mentioned you know, and we're kind of jealous because there is so many different possibilities out there for athletes to get better. Probably too many opportunities. Right. But, you know, athletes got to understand, you know, if your sole reason for doing a sport is to get a scholarship, then that that's not a great reason to do it. You right. know, you have to understand that whether you get a scholarship or not, the benefits of being on a team and all the life lessons that you learn from being on a team is really what it's all about. And if that happens and you end up getting a scholarship, great. But too many people, you know, if athletes, if they have a bad performance, it's like it defines them. And it, right. no athletic performance should ever define an individual. It's a much bigger picture about life lessons and what kind of mother you're going to be someday, father, you know, and all of that kind of stuff that's way, way bigger than one type of performance. And I think as coaches, we fall into that as well. 
you, you know, we fall into both on both spectrums now, because not only we're leading young men and women, so if they have a bad performance, a lot of us take that internally, you know, or, you know, hypothetically, you know, if, if you're, you have a good team and they, they lay an egg on a, you know, a, a Tuesday night, you know, in a volleyball match or, or whatever, you know, a lot of us coaches they're you know, we don't sleep at night because like, well, what, you know, and that's part of the job, but at the same time, you know, just because an athlete, you know, all athletes don't have the same motivational level. And I think as coaches, we feel like everybody should have the highest. Now, we have to meet the athletes where they're at. We have to meet their athletes where they're at. And I see it with some of the, you know, some of the schools we deal. We, we talk about your summer strength program, Dean, about getting up and getting up in the morning and getting the day going. And you've told me stories, you know, you come in in the morning for a summer strength session. I think you guys start like 545 or, or whatever it is. And you got 75 kids in the hallway at 515 or 530. And AJ talked about that as well, about getting up, getting up in the morning, doing things like that. And I think a lot of high school coaches and high school programs need to need to hear this, this message right here. You know, we're, I, I, I personally am speaking to some high school programs is that get your kids in the morning, because once you set that standard for them, once they get up and do something productive, both for themselves physically and mentally and for a sport, they're never going to want to go back, you know, and it can't always be what's the most convenient for everybody. It's got to be something where you can get the most amount of kids in, get the most amount out of your kids. And, you know, AJ talked about it. Polisek talked about it. You know, at NDSU, a lot of the guys were in in the morning, you know, getting their stuff done before their first class. Because for, for anybody, you know, if you're going to class, if you're going to school, if you're a teacher, by the time it gets to be like three or four o'clock in the afternoon during a school day or even during the summer, you've, you know, you've expelled a lot of energy throughout the day. You know, Dean, that, that's a staple in your guys' program. And I'm sure AJ, you know, got that from you, but it's great how he carried it through, you know, into Iowa State and now in the NFL. I mean, getting up in the morning and getting it done. Well, you know, you look at it, I read a lot of books about successful people and business people and athletes and all kinds of different uh, individuals in the, in the real world that are very successful. Many of them are very early morning people. You know, and you've heard the Kobe Bryant's, you know, having workouts at four o'clock in the morning and all those type of different stories. But I know when I had my own kids, you know, getting up early was the only time I could actually have some time for myself to get a workout in. Right. You know, where it wasn't taking family time. And a lot of times we're doing some of these podcasts very early because, you know, we want to have more time with our families and things like that. But I noticed high school kids, I can speak for they love to get it done in the morning in the summer because there's so many things thrown at them. If they're multi-sport athletes, which the majority of our athletes are, they want to get their workout done. Some go and have jobs. They're maybe they're working for, you know, they got family businesses, they're working for dad or working for mom, or they got a different job outside the community. They got other different sport commitments. They want to get it done in the morning, get out of there. It's a great way to start the day. And then now they can go up to the cottage on the weekends. Right. And, and they can be a kid. I think that's so important now is everything is coach driven, parent driven. And the, what takes a lot of the fun out is when everything is so regimented and kids can't be kids. And I think that's one thing AJ's parents found out is that we're going to take a vacation and you're going to be with your siblings. 
And we're going to have these memories for the rest of our life. And guess what? If you miss a week in the summer, you're not going to fall behind. You're actually going to refresh the body, refresh the mind. And when you come back, you're going to have more of an appreciation for the type of activities and you know, experiences that you get. And that's one thing I think with COVID is really experienced. I'm a track coach. I coach the throws and I run the Fox Valley Throws Club. And we didn't have a track season last year. And now we do. And just kids are just having a, a lot of fun just getting out and competing. And, and sometimes we, we lose sight of those things as, as parents. And one thing that COVID did really make a difference is, is kids are jacked now. They had the opportunity. Our fall football kids that did, did not get an opportunity and then had spring football, hey, those seniors got to play seven games. Right. And, and they had a great experience. And just think of the lifelong lessons that you learn from being around 10 other coaches. And if yeah, we went to have the season, they went to have those great learning opportunities. Right. And I think like what you touched on with the COVID is, is it's also taught us as parents to take a step back and appreciate and, and, and coaches to appreciate, you know, the, the things. And we talk to our athletes about this all the time about, and I know you do as well, is you have to be in the moment and you have to take it in. And that goes for anything in your life. You have to, you have to take in, you know, a birthday party. You have to take in, you know, maybe it's a weekend at the cottage with your high school friends. Um, you know, I, I can speak to one of our, our guests that'll be coming up here in the future, Joe Thomas, you know, one of his best friends in high school, you know, passed away. And, and I think if, you know, you, you, if you think into the future and think that those things could, can happen, um, you learn to appreciate things a lot more. And I think COVID for athletes and coaches you know, had some positive outcomes because I, I know for me, you know, my kids had football, they, they didn't have football and we had to have an incredible man step forward to allow some of our kids to play football and just drive into a game on a Friday night. Didn't, I had, didn't care who we played, you know, it wasn't a big deal. It was just, I got to watch my son line up on the football field. And because of the thought process that, man, he might not be able to do this. And I was at a game on a Friday night baseball game here you know watching some of our kids from edge baseball academy playing on two different teams and we got a great picture of you know six of the kids that started with us a sports advantage and you know one team beat the other team pretty handily you know um and unfortunately my son was on the losing end of it but the smiles on the kids faces you know just you know a kid gives up a base hit and they laugh and it's kind of you know because they're just they're just happy to be out competing you know, and they, they've trusted the process, you know, of getting through this COVID. Um, and I think now kids are starting to learn to appreciate a little bit more, you know, this could be gone, you know, this could be gone. And the thought process of competing and improving, competing and improving, you know, whenever you get a chance, you know, because those chances might be gone. And that, that kind of goes into what Coach Polisek was talking about on his philosophy. You know, he's talking about, you know, when he talked about his philosophy, when he was in that coaching football class, Dean, it was compete and improve when he was in a class in college. And I think you have, a, I think you told me you have his philosophy written down. I can't remember it word for word, but I, I think that was a huge thing because it's carried with him for 20 years. Yeah. You know, I got that philosophy. He said, compete, improve with urgency, passion, and enthusiasm 
consistently with a foxhole mentality to protect the team and what the program stands for. And uh, I thought that was unbelievable when he mentioned that and all the different stops that he went to, but, you know, he come up, came up with his own philosophy. And when he was at the university of Iowa, he mentioned that he had 985 notes learning from other coaches. And I think that's the biggest thing, you know, as coaches, when we talk about growth mindset and improving and, when you're on like a football staff, like I've been for many years, you learn from so many different coaches and having mentors in the field makes a big difference. Right. And I think, you know, he talked about always learning and that, you know, you and I talk on the phone every day and we send, you know, tweets that other strength coaches, you know, put out or other coaches or just, you know, just a phrase or something like that, because there's only so many words in the English language. So creating your philosophy has to be something that's synonymous with you you know when you ask what Kimberly football is it's water the bamboo I think everybody you know every day we're going to be and it's consistency you know sports advantage how you do anything is how you do everything consistent relentless take ownership and love the process that's what it is and and other places and other schools are going to have very similar thought processes and the words on the wall don't mean as much as the substance in the room. The words on the wall don't mean nearly as much as the substance in the room. And that could be in the coaches, you know, on the football field, things like that. Are you providing substance? And, you know, when he's talking about, you know, the thing with Kurt Ferentz and, you know, Coach Mish, and even at Stevens Point and the guys at NDSU, all the things that he took from them and now he's using, you know, it's not like, you know, I could say all the stuff that I got from Barry Alvarez, you know, but I'm, I'm using the things that, that coach taught me, coach Bielema, coach Herbert, you know, even coach Detman, you know, different things that I've gotten in my career, you've gotten the same thing. Um, but you have to always be evolving and always learning, you know, in your craft, right? Absolutely. And, you know, the, the other thing that coach Palasik mentioned is, you know, a lot of the best athletes that he he's been around that, the Marshall Yon does it and, and all the great linemen that I was had. And then talking about Joe Thomas with a notebook full of notes of who his opponent is and just stacks of studying his, their opponents and makes such a big difference. I remember one time I had an opportunity uh, from a throw standpoint to, to see Ryan Whiting's notebook of every practice. He was an Olympian shot put thrower and just watching every day, you know, how he felt, writing down, you know, what he did that day, how many throws, what, what did he have great rhythm, but that extra stuff that athletes do to get that competitive advantage. Right. And a lot of people say, I'm just not going to write that stuff down. You know, we've had podcasts here where you and I are writing stuff down as we're going through the podcast. And I'm super excited because <clears throat> I'm learning. And right. you're learning. And then we get done with the podcast and then we're talk- calling each other up on the phone. Think, geez, that was awesome. Right. You know, that it's exactly. And then how do you relate it to your business, Brian? How do I relate it to my Fox Valley throws club? How do I relate it to my teaching and coaching? And how do I, you know, relay it to what kind of father I am? What kind of husband I am, you know, what, with our family situations and everything like that. And that's what's so exciting. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, when you talk about the notebooks and like, I, you know, I think I brought up in the podcast too, talking about like Rick Wagner, I remember talking and, and even Kevin, you know, and some of the other guys and they all prepare differently. And I think being a great athlete is knowing what works for you. I remember Travis Frederick, um, when he played at Wisconsin, we used to have our old line guys would, you know, the after, Tuesdays and Wednesdays after they would have practice, they would grab their food to go and they would all go in the old line room and they'd watch, you know, the cutups from practice and then more, more stuff. And Travis would go sometimes and he wouldn't go, he would go more, I think, because, you know, more of the team stuff, he was a leader and things like that. But I remember talking to Travis once and he, he knew what worked for him. He's like, I could see it. And I, you know, I know it, you know, he's so intellectual and so smart. You know, I think he's into computer programming and other things like that. But, you know, for a guy that he just had such an awareness for himself that he knew exactly what worked for him and he didn't want to take away from other things that he could be doing to make himself better, whether it was in school, whether it was recovery and things like that. So I think that really falls on, you know, Coach Polisek's statement. Do you want to be great? Do you really want to be great? Because these guys really want to be great you know, studying a guy and let's use Joe Thomas as an example, you know, Joe could have, you know, gone against JJ Watt or guys like that, you know, maybe 15, 20 times in his career, but every time they're studying them and looking for new things, new things, new things, because at the end of the day, you're getting better or you're getting worse. Right. The other thing is, you know, when you're a high school athlete, college athlete, any type of competitive situation, there's going to be situations where you're going to line up against somebody or play against somebody that is athletically better than you. And we talk about a competitive advantage. You know, our offensive line coach, Mike Verstegen, he played for the Badgers, Wisconsin Badgers football, and he's played in the league for five years and he's got a very successful business right now, but we'll have conversations. You know, we ask him, you know, what it was like to play in a league. And, you know, I asked him a question one time. I said, you know, you're an offensive lineman. And you're going up against John Randall at the time for the Minnesota Vikings. And obviously, John was physically gifted. He was, <laughs> yeah. a beast. he was known to be just an animal as an NFL player. I said, what did you do when somebody like that lines up against you? And he said, we would watch so much film that many times just how his hand was in the ground, I could tell how much pressure he was putting into his ground by checking the color of his skin. And I could see if he was going to bull rush me or if he was going to try to do a different move and go around me, if it was going to be a speed rush. But he said that gave me a competitive advantage many times just by him lining up in his stance because I watched so much film and I picked up these little things. That was the competitive advantage so I could play against this guy and not get, you know, embarrassed and have this guy who's genetically, athletically much better than me, have me get a, probably an intelligent edge as far as a competitive advantage or a, a work ethic. And that I put more time into this to help me become more successful. Right. And I think, you know, that falls on the, you know, making sure that, you know, every rep you're taking, you know, you're in the moment. You know, and I think a lot of us as coaches, you know, we want to skip a little bit. And I think sometimes parents, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to relate this to parents. Sometimes they want to skip, you know, some of the developmental processes that kids need to go through. They want to go from eight years old to college, 
you know, and, and really they got to go to nine, then they got to go to 10 and they got to, you know, they got to be in the moment instead of, you know, I want to get my kids to the next level. You know, coach talked about this, run a championship race, wherever you're at, whatever level you're at, do it the best you can. You know, I think he got that from Kurt Ferentz or, or one of the other coaches, but run a championship race. And that goes out to everybody that's listening. You know, you woke up when you wake up this morning and you're listening to this podcast, hopefully on a Monday morning, driving into work, what are you going to do today to run a championship race? You know, are you going to go into the office and, you know, be upset, you know, because maybe the Brewers lost or the, or the, or the Brown or whoever, you know, however you're dealing with stuff like that, or maybe, you know, something happened at home and you're going to carry that in the next day. What are you going to do to run a championship race today? Athletes, coaches, parents, everybody. You know, one thing, Brian, we noticed being strength and conditioning coaches as well as, you know, how many times do you see a kid come up to you or a parent come up to you and they, they say, we got to do this exercise. We got to do this gimmick. We got to do that. And as we know, there's no gimmicks. No, there's no one exercise. There's no one type of workout program is whatever you do. You got to be consistent and work your tail off. Right. And everyone's looking for that micro waveable approach that hey, this one exercise is going to make me a great athlete, or I got to do this drill because this is what they're doing at this school, or they're doing it at this place. And this is the answer. There is no one answer. The secret no. is you got to be consistent and you got to continually work your tail off and work hard. And it's like anything in life. Yeah. And I think, you know, with, with us as coaches too, the education of our athletes and with parent, you know, for me as parents as well, um, it kind of fits in a little bit with what, you know, coach talked about, you know, what is, what are the two jobs a coach has, you know, for the athlete It's to help the athlete, you know, one eliminate stress, you know, so maybe a kid goes home, like you're talking about, and he's like, well, so-and-so is stronger than me, or, you know, maybe they don't have a good family life at home. You know, how can a coach, you know, it goes, goes back to building relationships. And AJ talked about that. Palasek talked about that. As coaches, we have to build relationships with kids so we can know maybe that kid walks in the weight room and they're off and you can spot it bang like that. If you have a great relationship and, and athletes, please listen to this as well. Develop relationships with your coaches that, and again, we, we see that in, in, in my profession, you know, in the, in the private sector, you know, young trainers want to be buddies with their, with their athletes. You know, we're not, you know, you can have a relationship, but it doesn't have to be a friendship. Okay. You can build trust without being friends, you know? And so finding ways to build a relationship with your kids and then helping them reduce that stress that they might have, because like they all got it. They got the COVID going on. They got some kids are in school, you know, halftime. Some kids are in school full-time. I know Wisconsin Dells, they've been in school all the time. I, at Madison, where my kids goes to school, now they're at halftime. My kid, the stress that my kids have gone through just in, in knowing what survey they need to fill out every day so they can go to school. You know, so we as coaches, when, when we're handling those kids, how do we help them eliminate that stress? Obviously, training is a great way to do it, but that can also create some stress because there's competition. You know, and then the second thing as coaches that we have to do you know, and, and, and for me, it, it's a little different with parents is define the roles that the kids have as athletes, you know, and for me, defining, you know, I can switch roles for goals, 
that the athletes should have and what their development looks like in the private sector. And for you as a throws coach, you know, as a, as a football coach, as a, as a position coach, any coach defining your roles, maybe you have a, maybe you have a kid, you know, that's a sophomore and you're like, you're going to run down on special teams every Friday night, you know, and AJ talked about, he accepted that role, you know, when he was young and how great it is. So I think as coaches, every, and, and every player, you know, there's no black or there's, there's no gray in this area. You know, you don't just define roles for your top, you know, if you're a football coach, 22 players, it's every single player in your program needs to know what their role is. And for me, every kid that walks into my gym needs to know what their goal is as they go, because that way you have, it's, it's in their head. It's in their process. It's how they, you know, get some results out of what they're doing. You know, and AJ mentioned that, can, you know, you can control your effort and you can control your attitude. But I think so many times athletes will get in a situation, maybe they're not a starter, they're not the person that's playing a lot. And they got to understand that they could be a scout team player, but whatever they are doing, that's a huge role as far as the team development and not only the team development, but individually them developing as well. I know a lot of times in sports, you know, there'll be junior reserve games or you'll have some juniors playing, you know, down at a JV game, for example, to be able to get reps. It's all about opportunities to get better. And sometimes individuals think of that as a negative. And I think athletes get to look at every opportunity to play and get more experience and to be able to learn from your mistakes is opportunities for that athlete to grow and continue to get better. And many times individuals, they'll get in a situation where, you know, they water it, they water it, they water it, and then all of a sudden they quit. Yep. And it's just it, at that time when they were just going to really start to explode and reap the benefits of their hard work, and then boom, they quit. And, you know, that's something that has always aggravated me as a, a teacher and a coach is they put all the hard work in. And then they become a junior or senior. And then all of a sudden they want to quit. And it's just another rep, just a little bit more watering it. And those individuals would have had some big time success. Well, and, and you know, as well, especially the, the, the sport that both of us, you know, work with a lot in football, the majority of your first opportunities come because the guy ahead of you might, or your person ahead of you might get hurt, you know? So if you're not preparing, you know, cause you never know when that moment will come, you know, and that could be any sport that could be baseball, softball, volleyball, someone twists an ankle and has to get, you, you have to bang, you have to be ready to go, you know? And, and so I think a great message, you know, is the Bill Belichick message of do your job, you know? So, and, but coaches, athletes have to know what their job is. They have to know what their job is and head coaches, your assistant coaches, need to know what their job is that, you know, that has to be communication has to be. And, and with the ability that we have in the technology that we have now to communicate, there's no reason why, you know, when we talk about phones and, you know, with kids have phones and you guys use the phone as a competitive advantage, you know, with, with what you guys do. And so using, you know, technology in the phone is a huge competitive advantage. So we have to use that as leaders, right? Yeah, there's no doubt Coach Palasek really said when he was at the University of Iowa, they really did a lot of education and given their athletes a ton of information about the phone because 
we know kids are on their phones a lot. We're on our phones a lot. And Absolutely. you can be very, very productive. And it's not going to leave. Technology is only going to continue to grow. So we really need, as coaches and teachers and business owners, we really need to educate parents. We need to educate our sons or daughters or athletes how to use the phone correctly. Because you can be on that phone. I'll be on it at night. And just like Coach Palasek said, and all of a sudden, boy, hour and a half later, it's like, hold where did that time go? And right. he mentioned a couple of really big things that really stuck out uh, as far as in my mind, Brian, is you can set up apps to have stoppers. And I've talked to some other parents and coaches and they've already done that with their kids, especially at the younger levels, you know, middle school levels, as far as, you know, only spending so much time and only being able to get into certain types of sites and stuff like that. And the second one was the blue light glasses. And I can relate to this because my son is an architect and he's on a computer screen the majority of his day. And he bought some blue light glasses and said that made just a huge difference. Oh, wow. And uh, you talk about, Polisek said, you know, he thinks it's going to be mandatory in the near future. And we talk about educating kids and not being on their phone so much. If they're on that device right before they're ready to go to bed, that's going to affect sleep. And we know sleep's the number one recovery modality that the kids need. And so that that's really big. Right. And I think using the phone to a competitive advantage, anything that you have, athletes, coaches, use it to a competitive advantage. And that, that's not saying that for, you know, for the five hours you're on there, you should be researching and, and, and everything like that. But if you can take your screen time and use it as a competitive advantage, we talked to our kids at the De in Wisconsin Dells about that. You know, how many hours are you on your phone? You know, some kids four or five, you know, they look, you can check on your phone and see, you know, we'll take, take 15, 20 minutes and use something, whether maybe you've had an ankle injury and, and you can Google things you can do at home to help, you know, prevent, you know, some type of injury you've had stuff like that. I mean, I know you guys use that stuff all the time. Yeah, we, we go constantly talking about the phone all the time with individuals, you know, and again, you know, kids are coming up and saying, hey, I love the podcast. I'm learning so much. That's a great opportunity to be on your phone and, and pick up some things that are going to give yourself a competitive advantage. One thing going back to that, do your job. And we talk about that. And I think it's very important because it's been a hard year for all coaches, teachers, everybody. Parents, right. parents yep. you know, with this COVID, but you know, the, the coaching burnout is, is at all time high right now. And I think it's only going to continue to get worse because the expectations for coaches is, is getting crazy. But when we talk about assistance, knowing your role assistance, you've got to understand, you have to try to take some stress and anxiety away from the head coach. Right. And I think that's very important to understand. And then head coaches, you cannot do it all on your own. So you got to divvy out, you know, those job responsibilities to your assistants to take a lot of that pressure off. Otherwise, we're going to lose a lot of good coaches. And if we lose a lot of good coaches at any level, then that's going to drastically affect the athletes. And I think a big word with that, Dean, is trust. You know, you're putting a person in a, in a scenario. And, and I can relate this to sport coaches with strength coaches and athletic trainers. 
you know, let let those people do their job. You know, let us do our job. We, you know, I, a great thing that that I always relate is a lot of times, and sport coaches, like you said, they fear, you know, what they don't know. So they know most of our sport coaches know 1980s, 1990s strength and conditioning, you know, which at the time was revolutionary. And they walk into the weight room and they see bands and they see, you know, RPR and, and things like that, that are changing the game and strength and conditioning. The first comment is, well, we didn't do that when I left it. No, you didn't, you know, and I think conversely sport coaches and, and listen to this because this is, this is real. Okay. A lot of you feel like you can come down into a weight room or the athletic training room which is another area that sport coaches and, and a lot of coaches want to get involved in and share their opinions. How would you like it if we walked into your meeting room someday, you know, when the kids are there, because a lot of sport coaches will do it when the kids are around, which is completely wrong, right? If you want to have a, a conversation with a coach, you know, you have it, you know, woman to man, man to man, woman to woman, however, however you deal with it. And you have, you know, you don't always have to agree every, you know, that's, I think we've talked about that. You don't always have to agree, but how would, how would sport coaches like it? If we walked in, you know, maybe they're watching film with their kids and said, why are you running power like that? Like if I walked into one of our high school coaches meeting room and said, we didn't run power like that at Wisconsin. Why are you running like that? It's the same thing. You know what I mean? It's the same thing, but we, we have to trust in our, in our professions. We have to build trust and it goes back to communication, having those talks, having philosoph having a strong philosophy, having great attitude and effort, like both of our, our, our guys talked about, was, is going to make these connections we have as coaches, as athletic trainers, as strength coaches, as parents. It's only going to strengthen your sport community. And when you can get to that, you can have really special things that happen. Yeah, Palasek, you know, mentioned, you know, you got to just sometimes make mistakes and you learn, you learn from the mistakes. And I, th I think that was big with, with his message. You know, when he went to Northern Illinois, he wanted to learn from 10 more coaches, he said. Right. And, you know, he wanted to grow as a coach. And he, he mentioned he made lots of mistakes. We've made mistakes, you know, throughout the learning process, but that's, that's part of it. You know, we always tell our athletes, say hey, it's okay to make a mistake. Just learn from it. Correct. And, and, on, and, that, and that's our big message. The last thing, Brian, I know we're going to wrap this thing up because we got an incredible guest coming up on the next episode. But, you know, oh, yeah. just a shout out, just a huge shout out to all the athletic directors out there, you know, and the administration team and coaches and parents and everyone during this year to make the make athletics happen again you know i've just seen so many positive phone calls from athletic directors saying hey we enjoyed this podcast you know we're learning so much we're, we're giving this podcast information to other coaches they're sharing it with their athletes we talk about technology they're putting it on reminds you know they're sending it out some are doing it as assignments but there's been so many people working extremely hard during these times to give kids, you know, that opportunity yep. to do the great thing and play athletics. And, and I, uh, you know, I, I would shout out to those people. Yeah, I would follow suit with that too, with in, in my realm in the, you know, in the private sector. And, and I had a conversation with a parent 
you know, the other day, you know, and they were looking at various places in the area. And I said, look, my, you know, if, if sports advantage isn't right for you, you know, hopefully your son gets a great experience wherever he goes. Um, and so shout out to a lot of people, you know, outside of, you know, just within the high school and college ranks that are doing so much for families, uh, for kids. And it's just been, it's really cool to see the, the, the strength and conditioning profession come together because it's a profession where, you know, we, you know, I have a strong ego, you know, I feel like hey, you have a strong ego, strong egos are positive, you know, and there are some strong egos and some big egos in our profession um, to see people come together for the good of their athletes. And I think that, I think that that's, you know, really important. So, and a big shout out, you know, I want to throw a good plug in for the Fox Valley throws club that Dean runs, you know, he ran some good stuff over the, over the winter and the summer. Um, in my opinion, there, there's no better place for an athlete to go, you know, if you can get in your car and drive two hours, you know, to the Fox Valley throws, he's got stuff going on. I'm sure, you know, anything to do to help kids. I know that's why you started that. So I want to make sure that our, our kids listening, you know, even in our area, um, you know, he's the best, best there is at this. So, you know, I just want to throw a plug in there for him. And Brian, you know, I've been watching a lot of your stuff on Sports Advantage, Wanaki, uh, just incredible to be able to work with Sun Prairie athletes and Wanakee athletes. And I know you're super excited. That's unbelievable facility that you have down there. And when you got coaches like Coach Rice and Coach Kaminsky and and and, and they're working together with you, boy, it's just going to be incredible what happens with those athletes at their well, schools and their programs. And we've got, you know, we're working, I'm just going to plug this in real quick before we hop off. We're working on a clinic um, that could be, you know, end of the fall here. And it is going to be off the charts. So I'm just going to plug that in real quick. Um, but it's it's going to be with a big time, big time person. I'm excited. Um, tune in next week because we have, in my opinion, the best offensive lineman to ever play the game joining us. Uh, he's definitely going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, he has his own beer. He's got his own barbecue place. He's on NFL games. And it is going to be a big time, big time guest. So everybody take care. Uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'd love for you to give us a review. We'd love for you to give us a rating. Uh, throw us messages. You can get to Dean at Fox Valley Throws Club. You can check us out at Sports Advantage. But we will see you next time. Chop it. <laughs>